0: Hey guys, really fun episode we have for you today. If you like data or numbers, I think you're gonna kind of geek out on today's episode. I always like to see how the research proves out things that we believe or we want to believe to be true, but we're just like, is that really true? And then when you see data behind it and you see actual numbers and research, you're like, oh dang, wow, that's really amazing. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. Like, what does discipleship look like in our homes? And and what is like data and research proven to be helpful? for us as disciple makers of our kids, and what is it shown that's like, okay, this is not helpful at all. We should probably stop doing that. So I think you're gonna really enjoy this episode for all those reasons. Before we jump in though, I did get this message from one of the dad tired guys. I think it's gonna be encouraging to you. Listen to this.
1: just wanted to reach out to you in the mornings. You know, it's gonna be a hectic time getting kids breakfast and ready, you know, to head out the door. You know, with my oldest son, Miles, who's seven, you know, he's in second grade. I just kind of got into a little bit of a habit not super intentionally, but just like as he was about to leave, just, you know, giving him a hug and praying with him before he he left um, to get on his bus. The other morning, it was just another morning, just getting clothes on, all this. We have two, you know, little ones younger than him, five and two years old. And as he's going out the door, he turns to me and he says, dad, pray. And man, whew, it was just such an emotional and really moving moment. And uh, I just wanted to share that with you because, yeah, just again, the encouragement through you and and the Dad Tired Ministry has definitely contributed to my way of, you know, just creeping in that direction and trying to do the best I can. And I was just so, so thankful for that moment. And I wanted to share it with you.
0: I wanted to pass that message along because I know there's so many of you guys who feel like you're alone in this journey of trying to be the spiritual leader of your home. And uh, you probably don't have a ton of friends that you're talking to about this kind of stuff. And so I just wanted you to know that, dude, right now, there are tens of thousands of guys all over the world who are pursuing this stuff. Like the kingdom of God is advancing. You're part of a bigger community, whether you know it or not. And we would love to see more guys connected. We'd love to see more guys getting encouraged and encouraging each other. And so if you believe in this ministry, if you could relate to that message where you're like, man, this ministry has helped me just think a little bit more intentionally about my role as the spiritual leader of our home, then we would love to have you partner with us. You can do that by going to dadtire.com forward slash give. You can become a monthly partner with us. And again, it just helps us equip more men around the world with the gospel to help them become the spiritual leaders of their family. That being said, let's keep resourcing ourselves with the gospel and getting equipped to be these kind of leaders. We'll do that by jumping into this episode now. Don, I'm really excited to be hanging out with you today, man. I saw your book, "The Spiritually Vibrant Home." I love the tagline: "The power of messy prayers, loud tables, and open doors." That describes, I think, most of our audience <laughs> uh, right. to some to some extent. Uh, at least the messy ta- or the the messy prayers and loud tables part, um, <laughs> and you know, and all of it. I think it all. I think, yeah. I think it all pretty much applies. But one thing that caught my attention is I I know you did some. You partnered up with uh, Barna Group and. Lutheran Hour Ministries to uh, do some research. I'm always fascinated by research and just kind of see like how the data ends up playing out. Yeah, that really that fascinates me. But before I ramble too much, man, I'll just step back. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you're up to these days? Great, Jared. So fun to be with you. I'm also a tired dad. My kids are a little older. I have two in college now and one in
2: high school. So I'm a pastor in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, I've been Got my start in college ministry and did college ministry for 18 years. I was on campus a long time and left with just one degree. And then I've been, you know, working in church context, you know, helping people follow the Lord, you know, in, in the real life. Like, what does it look like to follow Jesus when you drive a minivan? And What is it like when you have a mortgage and chasing your kids around and all that? And then I had the honor of getting to work with Lutheran Hour Ministries and the Barna Group to just research a different topic every year. That's kind of relevant for believers. And uh, one year, what we studied were, was spiritually vibrant households. What are spiritually vibrant households like? What do they have in common with each other that's different than other households? Like, What does the research reveal or confirm that we see in scripture that actually helps the faith grow within a household? So really fun to be a part of that, Jared. Really some really surprising things that we didn't expect to find that I think are super, super encouraging Mm. to young dads.
0: As you jumped in, as you started to kind of get the research back, like what were some of the things that stuck out to you and maybe surprised you?
2: Yeah. So one of the surprising things was going in, one of my assumptions was that households with kids are just not going to be doing as well spiritually, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're busy, things are messy and we're coming and going and we don't have normal schedules. And all the reasons that I don't need to enumerate, right? <laughs> for, for all the reasons that I just thought, when you have young kids, you're distracted spiritually. And we actually found the opposite. So one of the interesting things that we found is that when children are present in a household, let me hit you with some numbers. Is that cool? Yeah, hit me so, with. So them. people are like, I think he's making this up. Okay, <laughs> so here's what the numbers told us. When we asked people like, are you spending time as a household in the Bible with each other on a weekly basis, at least once a week. Households without children, so this is Christian households in the United States, 68% of all households said, yeah, our households in the Bible together hmm. once a week, 68%. When you look at households, when you isolate households that have children present, it's 87% Wow, households are hanging out in the Bible with each other. When we ask people do you pray regularly? So prayer was like more regular, like daily. Are you kind of praying with people in your household? Households without kids, Christian households in the U.S., 83% are say, yeah, we pray. But if kids are present, 95%. Interesting. It goes up to 95%. And then the same with talking about your faith. It's not as big a difference, but one of the things that we found corresponds with more vibrant faith is if you're talking about your faith, are you having mm. spiritual conversations? Mm. Households without children, 88% of the households are talking about their faith. 95% of households with children.
0: Wow. So, that, so there's Jared. It was like this
2: really good news because my perception is like, man, my household is messy. Uh, you know, yeah. I can't, who, quiet time. Who can have a quiet time? Who, right. who, what, what's quiet? Right. Uh, you know, I can't go to the bathroom alone, let alone have an hour in the scriptures or whatever. And yet the reality was... The presence of kids, you know, the research doesn't tell us why it doesn't get into why, but when the kids are present, like the spiritual practices are actually dialed up. Hmm. Now they may not seem perfect or pristine to us, but you know, another thing the research showed us, and we can get into these numbers if you want to, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Like it, it doesn't matter if like it's prayer. That's like 30 minutes of very quiet prayer, you know, where you're (laughs) contemplating things it actually doesn't matter. It just matters. Are you praying? Mm. I was talking with a dad one time. This is just a a buddy of mine in my church and he's chasing around. He had three boys all in sports, you know, all doing this stuff. And the research had just come out and he was like, yeah, yeah, I pray. Like I want to pray more, but I don't know how to pray. You know, I didn't pray out loud growing up. I don't know how to do that. And I said, I said, I have some really good news for you. I said, the research shows that if you pray with your kids, if you pray in your household, you have more vibrant faith, like your faith grows. And he was like, man, but I don't know how to do it. I said, here's the good news. All the research says is that you need someone in the household who's going to initiate it. Mm. That's all you need. Mm. I said, you don't even have to pray. All you need to do is say, well, I think someone should pray before we get in the car and go on this road trip. Mm. I said, you don't even have to be the one to pray, just initiate it. Because the research says you just need someone to spark it. You need someone to kind of you know, initiate it happening he felt really freaked by that. And he started applying it where it was like, Hey, when we sit down to milk, I need one of us to pray. And he, he didn't always pray. And it actually doesn't matter necessarily. Now it does matter because God wants him to have a relationship with him and grow in his prayer life. But in terms of like influencing your household, it's that act of initiation that turns out to be so powerful.
0: That is really powerful. And I think a lot of that'll be really freeing to a lot of guys who are listening. Yeah. To, to that. <laughs> Let's step back a second. And what was the focus group? Like how many people are we talking about? How was it measured? Cause I know mm-hmm. there's going to be some guys who are listening who like, they want to know like, yeah. are we talking about four families from your own church, man? Or yeah. like, like, you know, who is this? Yeah, it was two families. No, no. <laughs> uh,
2: no uh, this is where the nerds from Varna come in because they are social scientists. They're Christians yeah. and they're social scientists. I have a whole appendix in the book on the research methodology. So I could read it to you, but it would bore both of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that is to say, so it, there is a number of households that you need to talk to and get information from to be able to statistically validate it. Mm. So, and I have to look it up, but it's thousands of households. Mm. So we get data from thousands of households. And then the other thing that we do to be able to know that we're hearing from a cross-section regionally, a cross-section in terms of types of households, et cetera, we did what's called oversampling. And so what that means is if in our initial survey, let's say, for example, we had, you know, we didn't have enough single parent households, Okay. for example or we didn't have enough households from the South, for example, then we do what's called oversampling. And so we go and we purposefully target so that we can fill those out so that the nerds at Barna, who are wonderful, and I mean that as a compliment, Mm -hmm. so that they can say, we can tell you what this research is saying, applies across the board, regardless of region, regardless of income bracket, regardless of type of household. And so, for example, one of the huge findings... This is one of the big takeaways is that in spiritually vibrant households, and so that is where the the faith is actively growing, there are three activities found in those households Mm -hmm. more often and more so than are found in other households. And Mm -hmm. those three activities are, we're applying spiritual disciplines with each other. So that's like sometime in prayer or Bible, we are engaging in spiritual conversations. So we're talking about our faith. And then the third one kind of surprising, Jared. The third one was households that are extending hospitality. Mm. So it actually turns out, and we can get more into that if you want to, but it turns out that, and this is what the open doors, so messy prayers, loud tables, and open doors. So messy prayers is like just some kind of spiritual discipline with each other, Bible yeah. and prayer time. Loud tables is that you're talking about your faith, and we can talk about tables because our research showed us if households are all together doing something, most likely they're eating a meal. So like meal time is like key time for conversations. Mm -hmm. The third one is open doors. Like it turns out if you have people coming into your household, and this is kind of weird, Jared, we can break this down, but like, it doesn't matter if the people coming in are Christian or not. Mm -hmm. If you just have more people coming into your household, it's a more spiritually vibrant household. The people in your household, their faith is growing more. And that, that was another really surprising thing, but those three things we call them the, these are the, like the, these vibrant variables, right? These three things, if we can work on those, if we can take steps in each of those areas, right? Messy prayers, loud tables and open doors, we're helping our household be more spiritually healthy.
0: Well, I want to keep diving into each of those. Cause if, I mean, if we can, cause that all yeah, of sure. that is super yeah. fascinating. And what's I want to go back to something you said at the beginning where you're talking about, we're talking about the scripture and even if it's messy and it's not, yeah. we don't, you know, we don't have these 30 minutes of like deep conversations. It's funny, man. Cause I'm, I just told you right before we hit record, I'm I pack out these interview days. So I'll do several <laughs> interviews in one day and in between interviews, I'll run downstairs and I'll go say, how are you doing, babe? How are the kid? You know, what's going so, on? Yeah. And so I just went down there and Layla, my wife was, Teaching our kids about one of the parables of Jesus. She's teaching them two of our older kids. Our youngest daughter literally has gone to the bathroom in her diaper and needs a diaper change. My second to youngest <laughs> is just beg <laughs> screaming for more milk, literally like interrupting every other word from my, my wife, milk, I need more milk I need more. You know? And my wife's trying to talk over her to teach my two older about this parable of Jesus. Uh, so I think that's a very real picture for a lot of people, totally. who, parents who are listening right now. They're like, dude, hey, <laughs> totally. yeah. Okay. I mean, you just described our home. How in the world yeah. can we, did my kids even yeah. get anything out of that? Like, Do the two older kids, do they even get anything? And so I think there is a sense for parents like, I mean, yeah, we're trying. We're kind of like stumbling our way through this. But I don't know if our kids are actually, you know, if this is helping at all. But you're saying data showing that it is helping. So what? what, give my wife and maybe me some encouragement. Yeah. And because it has to do
2: with the faith. The the research didn't go into why this was the case. Okay. So, I mean, the researchers are very careful about showing causality. Okay. Mm. What causes what. But correspondence is what they show, what corresponds with something else. And it's just time spent doing these things. We didn't find a correlation like it's always a long period of time where you have to be a biblical scholar or you can't be interrupted. It was just that someone's initiating it and that there's a little bit of time being spent on it. That's the difference maker. Now, as a father and as a pastor, so this is me speaking, not the research now, I think it has to do with a lot of those things are caught. Not top right yeah that the messiness and our kids getting to see things authentically being lived out uh, is is profound, and that it's not like because part of it bro is like I think some people, if the only place we experience the quote unquote spiritual life is when we're in a church building, I think that can actually. Like it's great what happens in a church building. I'm a pastor. I'm sitting in a church building right now as we talk. Okay. So don't, don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. I'm a fan of churches and church buildings. <laughs> yeah. I like have given my life so that good things are happening for people when they're in when they're in that space. But if that's the only place where kids are experiencing the things of Jesus, that does something, that does something inside of them, right? Where they kind of relegate it. That doesn't have anything to do with real life you know, that's kind of a thing over there, but then we're at home, things are different. And so slowly having your home be a place where they're bumping into prayer, where they're bumping into Bible, where they're bumping into even an interrupted, inelegant conversation of processing the highs and lows of the day and bringing mm-hmm. them to the Lord, where they are, that's the difference maker. And it's so my sense is it invites Jesus to be active. And I know this, like, I want to give a good sermon. But I know that what, at the end of the day, bro, when people go home, it's the Holy Spirit using yeah. the little loaves and fishes that I gave. It's, it, do, it doesn't have to do with how rhetorically smooth I am. It's that God honors his word. Hmm. And the same with prayers, right? It's not like if we have a liturgist who's like really good at praying on a Sunday. <laughs> it's that like we want to be having answering language and talking to God and modeling that. And so the encouragement is what's happening downstairs at your house is making a difference. Yeah. A huge difference. And maybe even a bigger difference because it's happening in in a messy context. Like there's something like wonderfully insidious about, I don't know if that's the right word, but like wonderfully like mysterious about like doing it in that messy context that is teaching your kids, even your method of your wife's method of like, I'm just going to grind through this, grab the milk back to Jesus. Like even that method is like, jesus belongs in everyday life yeah so that's part of why i was so excited to write this book is because i think parents most parents that i work with are carrying around this guilt that's like i'm not doing enough i don't know how to raise my kids and some of us carry that guilt and then some of us like abrogate the responsibility and say i'm just gonna drop my kids off at church right I drop my kids off at the dentist because they're pros in the teeth. I'm gonna drop my kids off at church because they're the pros in Jesus. And and the freedom of that the research showed us. And then obviously we dive into the scriptures and what the scriptures say in Deuteronomy 6 about where right, right yeah. when God is giving the law where he says, talk about these things in your home and when you're walking on the way, you know, explain these things to your children. Like that's actually God's design. And we don't have to be great at it. We just have to be in the game, you know. So it's, It's an encouraging message that it tells us, like, just be in the game and
0: lean into it, maybe just a little bit more than you did last year. Mm. You know, even that is
2: a huge difference maker.
0: I love that because I, Deuteronomy 6, you see that, you know, as you're lying down, as you're walking along the way, as you're eating, like whatever you're doing, just talk about the things of God. Right. And then that's actually how you see Jesus discipling his disciples. As they were walking right. around, they were sitting right. in the house eating. Like this is what Jesus is doing. I don't know if like consciously most guys would say this, but there is kind of the we think most spiritual things happen outside of our house, like and mainly at yeah. church. You know, it's yeah. like, well, yeah. I want my kids to get something spiritual. We probably should go to church. Yeah. Which again, yeah, you know, I go to church every Sunday. Yeah, I know you're a pastor. Absolutely. God is working in and through the church, the local church. That's right. And we need we that's need to right. keep going. It's interesting because the premise of your book is essentially saying like maybe the most spiritual stuff is actually happening inside the four walls of your house. It's not just, I I said this the other day on Instagram, not that that sounded way too like millennial. I didn't mean it for it to sound that, that lame. But one of the points I made is like your home isn't just these four walls, like where you sleep and like you get stuff done. It's like this, it's a spiritual training ground. Yeah, it's like, totally. if this is, there's supernatural stuff happening in there, in those four walls where disciples are being shaped and formed, like it's, it's
2: holy ground. It's powerful. And it's stuff. his plan. And that's God's plan. I mean, that's in the book. We dive into what scripture says, you know, about yeah, into having, some happened, of that. Yeah. having it happen in the house. I mean, so Deuteronomy six, where here's the law. And then God says, talk about these things in that place. And he says that to men and women. Can I share some bad news from the, from the research? Yeah, yeah, please. It's sober, sobering news. Yeah, sobering yeah. hit news. us with it. So we also asked people, like teenagers, we, we did a big oversampling of teenagers, you know, kind of reflecting on what formed their faith and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so among Christian teenagers, when they were asked who has had the most spiritual impact on you, 68% of them said their mom. Wow. 46% said their dad. Mm. So it's a much smaller number for dads, and we can make some sense of that, right, Jared? Like, on average, men are out of the house working, maybe, and so the mom is the mom is in there. And but the thing is, kids also want to learn these things from their dad. The research showed us that, right? Mm. And so it there was a little bit of a flag, I think, being waved in the research too, like as dads that like it's great if your wife is working with your kids on these things when you're at work and everything, but like. We have to figure that out. Even if it's little things as we pick them up from soccer and we're driving in the minute, like, hey, you know, do, do you have any God sightings today? Or you know, whatever it is, bedtime rituals, you know, whatever it is that for dads, kids want to be influenced by their dads. And and we're just not in the game as much as moms are. That's
0: what the research says. Well, and and that's really not a surprise. I mean, most people would know that. I mean, even probably every dad listening to the show is like. I, not I know, shocked. <laughs> yeah. I know that to be true and it, I don't want it to be true, but I know it to be true. And we, I mean, you could just go to any local church, <laughs> you know, so you're going to see women kind of leading the charge in 95% or more of our local churches. Were there some follow-up questions? So like, so the question was, you know, who's had the primary influence on you in your spiritual journey. And they said, mom, were there any follow-up questions? Like you said, they want dad to be more engaged. Did they ask some of those questions? From we we asked
2: teenagers. Yeah, that's a good question. We asked questions about who's your preferred conversation partner, mm. if that makes sense. We also asked a set of questions and we can correlate these about the, it wasn't mood, but kind of describe your household. Mm. What's your household like? Is it quiet? Is it loud? Is it is it serious? Is it fun? Is it, you know, all those sorts of things. And so one thing that we did find out is that one of the things that corresponds with doing more spiritual stuff together, uh, the the households that did that, is actually when they do more of other things together. So here's an interesting correspondence. Households that do chores together tend to pray together more. Interesting. Now, are they praying because they're like, Lord, help me (laughs) (laughs) make my bed? (laughs) No, it's not that. Because it was the same. Like, they joke together. They watch movies together. So one Mm. of the interesting findings, Jared, is it was kind of like households that are like, Doing stuff together. So they have a culture of like, we do stuff together. We do homework together. We go on walks together. We recreate together. Also, are doing these other things together. So, a little bit of an insight there in terms of like, even like eat together more, do more of these other things together. And it kind of makes your household anything you can do, even if it's like, hey, let's go see a movie. Let's go Mm -hmm. see a movie together. Things done together create an environment where it is more likely. That you will also do the spiritual things together
0: does that make sense it does yeah and, and again, so not, yeah
2: it makes sense. How, how could it not right yeah it's not yeah. like rocket science and yet i think for some of us what i don't want to communicate is you need to have a serious spiritual one hour family worship time every you know and keep your kids from making noise and, you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. preach a sermon to them or whatever yeah. that's actually not the case yeah. like laugh together have fun together have an open environment Talk about other things, talk about sports, talk about other things. Families that talk about other stuff are more likely to talk about Jesus and Mm. talk about their faith. A little bit of what we learned was like, what helps create an environment that is just conducive to this other stuff happening? Again, Uh, not rocket science, but it's a thing that any of us could work on.
0: Yeah. What was the, you said they had asked about the preferred conversation partner. What was the data? What did the data show? Okay,
2: here's, here's an interesting one. I, and I know this is a podcast for dads, but this is fascinating because the impact of your core household is there's also the impact of what we call your extended household. So these are other people outside of, say, the nuclear, the core household that, that live there who are in and out of your household. So this is way cool, Jared.
0: Hmm.
2: So what it tells us is that the faith of our household can actually, it's not only affected generally if we have a more open door. But there are other people who come in who have influence on our kids. So the one relationship where if they are interacting with a household, there are spiritual things happening is grandparents. Yeah, Like kids are so absolutely warm to interacting around spiritual things with their grandparents. They win. I mean, in the research, they are the most preferred conversation partner. Wow. Is that a
0: certain age? Was that a what age? Was that like zero to 18 or for,
2: for no, for any? Yeah, that was for anyone. So even adults are answering this question like when oh, you were being formed in the Fed, like it was, and when we oversampled among teenagers, that was also the teenagers' top response. Wow.
0: Grandparents.
2: Isn't that interesting? So, huh. so even that is freeing not only for grandparents who were like, Man, I don't want to be the old, like, hey, Sonny, let's, you know, let's yeah. pray together. Like yeah. the kids actually want that. And then the good news for kind of frazzled moms and dads is be bringing other Christian adults into the orbit Mm -hmm. of your kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, the sticky faith research, that's a different research project, but it shows that faith sticks when you have like five adults who are on a kid's team growing up in a youth's team. Mm. And that's just like Christian adults who are just like hanging out with them. When our son was in middle school and our oldest, and we hadn't had a middle schooler and we were like. There were issues and, you know, yeah. insert existential angst here. You know, I sent <laughs> someone to, to my church because this research was just coming out. And I just said, will you be on Simon's team? This is my oldest. And they said, well, what does that mean? Yeah, I love Simon. What, what does that mean? And I said, I don't even know. I don't even know what it means. Mm. All I know is I need other Christian adults to yeah. be rubbing up against my son. Yeah. I also asked his uh, employer. So his employer was a friend of mine who's mm. a profound believer. And, you know, we, we owned a Jimmy John's. And my son worked for him. And I said, will you be on my son's team? What does that mean? I don't really know. But could you just like talk to him every now and then after church or like say hi to him? And because the research showed us, it's not just the core household, it's the extended household of people coming in and out who also really affect kids and kids are really open to those relationships too.
0: I love that you were intentional about that too. Even even intentional to say, I don't really know what this means, but yeah, just don't. do it. I love it. <laughs> Cause me and my best friend have said that. He's about to have his first son. And we've said the yeah. same thing to each other. It's like, dude, you have full permission from yes. me yes. to be part of my son's growing yeah. up. And particularly with my son, I have three little girls, but particularly with my yes. son, like yes. you can speak into him and you've got full permission from me. And he said the same thing for me. And and to have somebody outside yeah. of the your core family who's on that team, dude, it's just like, and I didn't know all the, I don't know all the research on that, but it makes sense again. It's like, man, okay.
2: Yeah. It intuitively makes sense. And then, yeah, yeah, you know, the people down at fuller, they ran the numbers and it's like, yeah, it takes about five adults. And then the faith sticks when they leave the home. So
0: I'm really fascinated by the open doors concept. Yeah. And I love, I got a weird, not a weird fascination, but I, I'm just fascinated. (laughs) I love, the dinner table. I think some of the the, Bro, the, the yeah. deepest ministry is happening around a table. I yeah. love it for my own family, but I also love it. Like Layla and I are uh, in the process of getting a house right now. And our whole yeah. focus was a place where we can host people to eat. And we're neither, we're terrible cooks, both of us. But even if it, <laughs> even if it means just like we'll, we'll bring, we'll order pizzas and people need to be comfortable <laughs> totally. to eat pizzas here. Totally. I really want to hear the data around the table.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's fascinating. So one interesting thing is, you know, we asked a number of questions of here's a list of activities and we have a huge long list. And from which of these do you do with some members of your household on a weekly basis? And which of these do you do with all the members of your household on a weekly basis? Mm. And it gave us some interesting, right? Some interesting day because there were like everyday things like doing chores and, mm. you know, art yeah. and singing yeah. songs, but then they were also praying, etc. The top of the list, Jared, of things that all of us, do this together on a regular basis is eating meals. Yeah. So just statistically, just statistically, there's something significant about that and which allows us to then say, how do I leverage that? How do I leverage that? Because rather than thinking of the meal as the time where it's like shoveling the food, okay, kids, you know, do this, like that's going to be happening. And as you know, there's a reason why, I call it mess. There's like loud tables is the adjective yeah. I use. Yeah, it's chaotic. It can be chaotic with young kids. But how do we leverage that time for just a little thing, a little nudge, just a little nudge of prayer? Hey, what should we everyone? What's one thing you want us to be praying for for your day this morning, for your day today? Right. This is at the breakfast table or at dinner. Hey, What's one thing you, you want to thank God for from your day to day? Little nudges don't have to take a lot of time. But again, the data shows us that. And then, you know, we had the joy of just dipping into scripture and fascinating seeing how much meals and table fellowship is a significant theme in the scriptures. Yeah. It's kind of like there's nothing we find out in the scripture or that we find out in the research that we don't look and go, oh, yeah, well, God told us that, right. that shouldn't surprise us. right? Right. And so there's something I think you're on to something in terms of loving people sitting down and you think about it especially if everyone's face isn't in a screen Mm -hmm. (laughs) while eating, which can happen, you know, but especially if they aren't, there's something about meals that can be unhurried. And I understand that some meals are also hurried. Mm -hmm. You're looking at other people and things can happen. There's something magical about you're not just like sitting at a blank table, staring at each other. You're eating, you're doing like parallel activity with each other, which again, for people who are shyer, They're more likely to talk if you're doing a parallel activity while you're talking, if you're going on a walk, if you're eating, etc. So there's something profound, I think. I'm with you. Like the workstation, the laboratory for the kingdom of God is often at a table.
0: I heard somebody, I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard somebody talk about how really the whole story of scripture and the whole story of God can be summed up in meals, you know, like at the Genesis yeah, yeah. around a piece yeah. of fruit, uh, <laughs> That's right. uh, the, That's right. f- the last supper, Jesus, which would, you know, go to be on our, go on to be our symbolism of the crucifixion and the the communion. Yeah. And then the scriptures end with the, we will feast again with the king. And then you see Jesus all the time. He's accused of being a glutton and a drunk because he's always eating with sinners, which is just, there's something powerful about the meals. What about the open doors thing? The hosting about being a hospitable family. What does that do for the the faith of the family when you're hospitable?
2: Yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, (laughs) this is what was really surprising. None of us expected it, but households that have a higher level of hospitality. Okay. So so what the, again, we asked questions about who's in your house on a monthly basis, who's in your house on a weekly basis, who's in your house on a regular basis. And so we were able to gauge and kind of get a sense of how hospitable it is. Here's the thing. We didn't differentiate. You may have a tutor coming in to work with your kid. Hmm. That counts, right? Hmm. Uh, it may be your grandparents stopping by. It may be so, a friend, right? Your buddy coming over and just bringing his kids with him. But what we found was, that place that there's a correspondence with a higher level of hospitality. So more people being in and out of your home and ha- engaging in more spiritual conversations and applying the spiritual disciplines more. Mm. There's a correspondence. Mm. And again, we don't know causality exactly, but we do know that there's something about this interaction of other people. And is it the people themselves sometimes like, cause maybe they're believers and they get influenced by them. Okay. Okay. Is it the fact that you even have non-Christians coming in? And so you are getting to interact with others, maybe about your faith or people who are different. And guess what? Your kids are watching that. yeah, And your kids are seeing that. As a father and as a pastor, there's a lot of rationale or like it makes sense to me. But what I love about it, Jared, is I think as parents, there's this, I'll just speak for myself, that I know one of the temptations I felt was I need to circle the wagons and protect my kids from this big, scary world out there and this non-Christian secular influence that's out there. And I'm not saying that, that we don't have to do that, right? Obviously, we live in kind of a post-Christendom era, and we have to put a lot of thought into culture and how we interact with it. But I had thought the best way I can love my kids and grow them in their faith is to hermetically seal them off from the world around them. Mm-hmm. That will actually help them grow in their faith. The data told us the opposite. Mm. Hermetically sealing off your kids from the world around them is actually a risk factor spiritually. Interesting. It actually the more closed off a household is, the less spiritually vibrant that household is. Wow. Data so, shows.
0: That's not like a pastor's that, like yeah, that's that's, that's data. That's what the data shows.
2: Yes, now. So yeah. And then I look at the scripture and everything it has to say about open doors and hospitality and loving and giving our lives away and and having other people influence our kids and bringing them in. And, and it's like, okay, that's that makes sense to me. Like the life to live is a life where we're interacting with the world around us. Do we need to be wise about that? Absolutely. Do we need to be thoughtful about our kids' friends? Absolutely. But the data challenges the belief that hermetically sealing them off from the world around them will actually strengthen their faith. And I will tell you that some of the most spiritually fragile college students because 18 years I worked with college students okay mm. some of the most spiritually fragile college students i ran into were people who had lived very isolated lives in a christian huddle mm. and then they got to the real world and they just didn't have the muscles yeah they didn't they didn't have it's kind of like cul-de-sacs like the idea of a cul-de-sac is like well i want to be in this protected little bubble well there's actually more car accidents in cul-de-sacs because they're like weird traffic-wise, <laughs> so it's so it's kind of like the instinct is I want to yeah. protect, and it, actually there's other
0: dangers that comes with that. That's a great that. analogy. And so, information and more data. I had no idea. That, yeah, that's <laughs> for free. That's idea. for free, right there. I'm sure that was in the, in the Barna research, but that is inter- <laughs> no, that I'm is not. an interesting <laughs> fact, <laughs> uh, point of data. Yeah, that's a uh, that is really interesting. You know what's fascinating about that is we make a big deal about having people in our home. One of kind of our family Mm -hmm. mission statements is we want people to be closer to Jesus when they leave our house than they were when they got there, regardless of where they're at on their spiritual journey. And, uh, and so I think when I'm, when I'm hearing you describe that and I'm thinking, and I'm hearing the data, I think what happens is, and this has been my experience with our family is our kids. They would never articulate it this way, but they, they kind of see what other people worship. And Mm. what I mean is like, we talk about, here's how our family operates. Here's who yes. our king is. And this is what yes. it lives, it's like to live in this kingdom of God. But then somebody else comes in and they get to, yeah, you know, unintentionally share mm-hmm. their kingdom and what they worship <laughs> and where they're finding yes. hope and joy. And then our kids get to compare those things. And it's in a pretty safe environment because most yes. people are respectful when they come into your home. And That's so right. they eat a meal, but they're still them. They're still fully mm-hmm, them, but mm-hmm, they're, mm-hmm. they're respectful. So your kids are getting exposure to different people and what other people are worshiping and their value systems and their, their morality and all this stuff. And it's all within the context of your home. There's, it's just such a perfect environment so that your yeah. kids aren't leaving at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, holy cow, I've never heard anybody say that, you know, and I you're can't getting t- to process it with them.
2: Exactly right. You're you're getting it's like an a safer place. Yes. To interact with others and then to get to process it later and say, man, did you notice how you know he was yelling a
0: lot? Our kids normally say to us, like, "Did (laughs) daddy? Did you hear them say this?" Yes. Did you hear them say? And it's like, yeah. Here's why they. This is. And you you get to model like grace and truth. Exactly. That right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's
2: catching the faith. That's catching the
0: faith. Yeah. I am excited to get this book. I love books like this. Uh, Whenever Barna teams up, you know, I'm actually, I hadn't heard of Lutheran Hour Ministries, but I'm excited to learn more about them, what they're doing. I love when Barna Group partners up. I I have friends over at the Barna Group. And anytime, again, you can just kind of put data and numbers to this stuff. It takes it out of like the super spiritual and, oh, that's just your opinion. And it's like, ah, this is what's actually proven out it's really fun stuff. So again, I'll encourage every one of our listeners go pick up the spiritually vibrant home, the power of messy prayers, loud tables and open doors. Good stuff, man. I appreciate you coming on. It's been a really fascinating, fun conversation. Great to
2: talk with you. And just to say too, even if people don't want to grab the book yet, we created all these free resources as well, specifically for households. Oh, cool. Where Uh, where can we get all that? Yeah. So if they go to lhm.org households so lhm is for lutheran hour ministries like okay we created these like refrigerator magnets with like choose what you as a family want to work on this month oh, and you nice. choose together we created like a conversation deck of cards that's a real deck of cards but then there's like deep questions on them that you can like at the table like ask each other so we tried to create like little booklets a lot of different things to help people like put this into action in their own household that's so amazing. Just, just to, to let people know that that those resources are out there.
0: Too. Yeah. We'll link that in the notes and that dude, cool. that's amazing. That's super cool resources. We'll definitely have everyone go check that out yeah. too, but it's been really fun, man. I appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. Good to talk to you, Jared.
0: Hey guys, hope that episode was helpful for you on your journey of becoming more like Jesus and helping your family do the same. Hey, I want to remind you guys that we do have our first ever Dad Tired annual retreat coming up in September in Arkansas. Would love to have you be part of that. You can do that by going to dadtired.com forward slash retreat and sign up there. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.